you are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. It is Locked On Jazz, a special back-in-town edition, the 29th of June, a Saturday. The NBA free agency is just 23 hours away, or 20, yeah, 23 hours away. The Jazz have done all sorts of things while I was gone. We'll touch on the Mike Conley deal, draft day, and Rudy Gobert's defense player of the year, plus what's happening in free agency. It's all coming up on this edition of Locked on Jazz. How are you? I'm David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz, Jazz NBA insider. This is Locked on Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz, giving you insight, expertise, geeky numbers, hopefully making it more fun to be a Jazz fan during the offseason, and I am back in town after a trip to Japan, a little delirious trying to stay awake. I hope everyone's great. Thanks very much for tuning in. Here's what we're going to do. We're going to touch on the Conley deal. Touch on draft night without a lot of insight, frankly. Uh, touch on Rudy's defense player of the year and then get to your questions about what's happening with free agency and probably the way things are going, things will happen uh, as we're talking here. Uh, Trying to do it in the regular amount of time of the show. Uh, and then depending tomorrow, uh, I don't know what we're going to do. Uh, but I'll be back with you Monday, Summer League, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. Tickets are available for the Salt Lake Summer League, uh, so make sure you get those. Hopefully you'll come out and join us. Let's get to the Conley deal. And actually, as we sit here with some actual – this is one of, kind of one of the shows I did right before I left on why Conley was the answer, and I think it's really tr- proving to be true. As we sit here 23 hours away, had the Jazz not done the Conley deal, and we're sitting here – trying to figure out whether they might be able to get Tobias, now probably having missed out on Kemba because he's going to Boston, trying to figure out what their next answer is, they could really be sitting there with an empty bag. Very And frankly, Indiana could just decide that they wanted Ricky Rubio, and you could end up without Ricky Rubio. So the fact that the Jazz struck, I think, is the first and foremost most important aspect of what they did. They made the move that gave them a level of certainty and gave them something solid and gave themselves a two-year window with a really good, solid, professional point guard. There's a lot of levels where this, I think, is really, really good for Utah. But I always like to look at things from a Phyllis... You can't be right in this league. We don't know how Conley's going to age. We don't know what that future draft pick's going to be. You can guess. You can use your percentages. You can look at things with some sort of logic... But I think the bigger question I always want to know out of the franchise I'm rooting for is, is there a reason, is there a logic, is there a process here? And the answer on that is yes. And I think that that's the most important thing to me. I, I covered the Mariners for all these years. They, they had none of that, ever. And, that, and therefore, they've, had, you know, they've been a disaster. Um, I covered some other teams who I didn't think had that as well. But... In this case, that's the first part. Had they not made the Conley deal, and we're sitting here right now, holy smokes. Now let's isolate the Conley deal. I think, one, you had to do it. Two, you've got a bona fide, solid, established, borderline all-star level point guard. I actually think he's been ranked perfectly. He's not an all-star point guard. He's a borderline who brings you a competency and a calmness every day. He brings you something in the locker room as well that I think is super important. The, the voices in the locker room, the veteran, the voices were Tabo Cephalosha and Jay Crowder, and then Kyle Korver had great value at the end. 
You needed a voice in this locker room. Rudy and Donovan are terrific, but they need a little bit to take the burden off of them at times. And Mike Conley brings that with his years of experience, and then you're talking about a guy who won sportsmanship, teammate of the year. You know, that element of who he is, I think, is super, super important. The part of Conley that I'm most excited about is that he's never played with a elite-level wing player at any point in his career. You know, O.J. OJ Mayo might be the best ever, but at this point in Mike Conley's career, probably the best single thing for him is coming to the Utah Jazz and having a elite ball handler on the other side of him. He's had Tayshaun Prince. He's had Tony Allen. He's had... O.J. Mayo's the best I could come up with. He's played with bigs. He's played with limited floor spacing. And so here he is with this opportunity that he's never, ever had before. Two, he's a really good shooter, right? So Donovan runs something with Gobert. Donovan's always been great at getting the ball out to guys. There's there's a good shooter that's taking some gravity to you. Um, I think that's super, super important. Um let, let's dig. Let's do a little bit more on Conley and look at some things on points gained. He was um, his best year was sixteen seventeen, where he was a one point eight points gained. He's about an average points gained player. Actually, he's been kind of negative point one each of the last two years, right around that area. It's fourteen fifteen. He was up. His usage rate last year was the highest of his career, and in the eighty fifth percentile of all point guards. So he will not have to do that. He still goes to the free throw line at a high rate. His season point guards, and he goes he goes more than him were Harden, Dinwiddie, Lillard, Jeff Teague. He goes at a higher rate than Russell Westbrook or John Wall. Um, he used his only used his thirty uh, percent of his possessions to shoot a three. Some of these numbers might be um, a little off. Um, some of this research. Uh, was done, frankly, mid-season last year when I thought we might acquire him. So some of it might be a little off. Um, he was using about 18 scoring opportunities a night or 21 per 40 minutes, so that's in the range of Drogic, Murray, and Holly. That's great. That's exactly what the Jazz need is another scorer, someone to help out Donovan in that way. Um, the Grizzlies were just way, way better when he's on the floor. Um, and what's interesting is when he played with Gasol, the defensive rating was a 101.9. When he played without Gasol, it was still really, really good. So his, even at 30-plus years old, he in no way is a defensive player that is relying on Marc Gasol. In fact, the numbers showed last year that when Gasol was dependent on Conley more than vice versa. So I think that's really interesting. Um, the, Memphis's offense was not good last year. Um, and so when Conley was on the floor without Gasol, the offense was actually seven points per 100 possessions uh, worse than when they were on the floor together. So what that says is that Conley still needs other players at this point in his career. And that's what they've got. Um, now... When Gasol was on the floor without Conley, they completely fell apart. 
So Conley still is capable of carrying this thing through uh, on his own, but he gets the other players, he helps. He is in the 75th percentile of all screen and roll, guys. Um, 40% of his offense last year came on the pick and roll. He uses the pick 80% of the time. That plays right into who we are. Number one pick team in the league. Number one team in the league um, on drives off of pick and roll. And here you've got a guy who is one of the best pick and roll guys in the NBA. Um, with Marcus Soule, he was a 1.03. With Joe Kim Noah, he was a 1.03. And with Jermichael Green, he really struggled. So you, you get him with a Gobert who runs it well. He should be terrific. Uh, Conley and Gasol are the second most common pick and roll combination in the NBA last year up to when they got separated. Only Lillard and Nurkic were more, and they ranked 17th in the league in pick and rolls. They're still pretty good. Um, he, uh, the one area where he's got to be on his game is that floater. His pick and roll jumper is not always great. Um, and that's maybe the one area where there's a weakness, but teams almost never go under on him. So therefore, he's always driving into the basket. He's got the he's going to learn the lob to go bare, and he can um, kick out on that. The other thing that was interesting, if you go back in Conley's history a little bit, he was terrific on the handoffs from Gasol, and he was terrific at giving the handoffs to Gasol. That handoff game was one of the best uh, in the game. And that's something where the Jazz run an awful lot of that. Um, Jazz, uh, he took the ninth most drives of any player in the league. Jazz were the number one drive player. Donovan was at .95 points per drive. Conley's at 1.02. The best in the leagues are 1.1. Lillard's about 1.03. Open shooting, right? We led the league in getting open shots. How does Conley do on open shots? He's in a league average effective field goal percentage. His three-point shooting is much better from the corner, 44%, than above the break, 34%. His career is about 35% above the break. That's pretty damn strong. Um, but he also is a really good corner three shooter, which is not something he did very often because he was always the one creating the offense. Unguarded shooting is terrific. 90th percentile in unguarded shooting. 96th by the end of the season last year. 76% effective field goal percentage on catch and shoot unguarded. That is a dramatic change for the Utah Jazz. Um, he does take about half his threes in Memphis off the bounce. That'll probably change. Um... 35% of his three-point shots came in the final seven seconds of the shot clock, and he shot just 26% on those. So what's interesting about that is that's a slow half-court offense. He's grinding through it. That's probably the kind of player he is a little bit. But on the other end, does he end up getting to Utah, playing off other people, and not having to shoot so late in the clock? That could be a that could be a Big, big change for the t for the player he is and his efficiency. And I think the other thing is just that he gets some help, right? He hasn't had that. So last year, 27% of his possessions uh, overall, as I mentioned, were in the final 
uh, part of the shot, seven seconds of shot clock. He overall shot 33% on those possessions. His three-point shooting was at 26%. So now all of a sudden, Rubio took 24% of his threes in the final seven seconds. Ingles 23%, and he's taking 35% of his threes. So we don't, that's not something we do. Um, Donovan gets, who feels like he gets grenades all the time, is at 29%. So really, a lot of Conley shooting and anything where his percentage is not on the um, on the highest level is somewhat to, because of who he was on the team he was on and when he got his shots. Um, so I think that's going to be really interesting. Um, his QSI, which is his shots compared to what the average player would, with the same shots as zero, meaning he's exactly an average shooter. That's a big upgrade. Rubio, when he came to us, was actually the worst shooter in the history of the NBA. Um, so that's a big, big upgrade. And this shows the value of the Jazz offensive because the Jazz only have two players with a QSQ lower than what Mike Conley's was last year. Conley's average shot was a 49.8. Only Corver and Donovan took less good shots than that. And so you're going to see an upgrade. For example, contrast Ricky Rubio last year, average shooter with his shots was a shot 52.4. Same thing with Don. Donovan or with Dante and Conley was at 49.8. I know this is really geeky stuff, but this is the deep dive you wanted from me. So that's a three percentage point increase in just quality of shots that Rubio and Exum got compared to what Conley got in Memphis. Um, uh, and the other thing is early in his career, his threes were almost all catch and shoot. And then l- later in his career, uh, they've been much more off the bounce. The other question here is, is he slowing down? He's 31 years old. His distance traveled per game is in about the 98th percentile. Um, he kind of paces himself pretty well. Um, he has dropped his amount of shots at the rim. So there are some signs that he's getting older. Um, you know, he, and you know why? Because he is getting older. Like, there's no denying that about him as a player and I don't think he would deny that as a player if you look and kind of dig in a little bit his percentage of field goal attempts at the rim are down to 19 percent two years ago they were at 26 27 percent that's a little concerning we'll see if that changes when he comes to this team with his drive game and some other aspects but that's probably um, a sign of age a good sign is he's still in the 85th percentile of drawing fouls that's the next thing that goes when you get older and his steal rate is about the same he's not a great transition player he never really has been so you know but i come back to this we look at all these things on mike Conley. so to summarize all those geeky numbers the takeaway to me is here you've got a guy that's an above average offensive player who's an average offense shooter, who goes to the foul line at a great level, whose teams are better when he's on the floor offensively and defensively, who's a terrific pick-and-roll player, whose game right has been put in a pos- the most difficult positions of all to play, and now should be able to be put in a position where it's easier for him to play. I'm not a big believer that guys change in systems and teammates, but in this case you can see where there's a noticeable area um, in which he's better than he should be able to have things that are different. Furthermore, Garrett Temple, Tony Allen, Courtney Lee, Rudy Gay, O.J. Mayo, Tayshawn Prince, like those guys have never been able to relieve anything for Mike Conley. So that's my take on Conley coming to the Jazz. Big picture is they had to do the deal. They got it done. Two is... 
Conley is moving into a situation he's never had before, and you can look into his game and see where the burden he's had has made him less efficient than he could have been otherwise, so he should be even more efficient. He's a significant upgrade on what we had at the point guard position. And finally, uh, I think that you know we just don't know what he might be able to do without that burden. Now, downside. Not everything's perfect. You have to give something to get something. Uh, nervous about the age. I don't think there's, you know, that's, you're nervous about the age, right? Like, let's not kid ourselves. He's going to turn 32 years old right before opening day. That's, that's a, you know, and when it hits in the NBA, it just hits you. And the second thing is the, the second draft pick, you know, beggars can't be choosers. So just, but is there a downside? Just how far out it goes and what it could be is a little unnerving. But you had to give something in Memphis. That's what Memphis was holding out for, and they got it. Um, but as free agent hits right now, I think you have to be doing something. Special edition of Locked on Jazz today brought to you by my good friends over at Murdoch Hyundai. Fourth of July sale going on at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. I just drove back to Santa Fe uh, today from the airport, and it's just as smooth and great as ever. Uh, also, check out the great new colors on all the Tucsons that are out there and the uh, – Really, really fun uh, SUV lineup. They have the three different lineups. They have the Santa Fe, which is the the big dog, and they and they actually have a third one that's coming out here. Um, in an, the Palisade is coming out. I have not seen it yet. It's supposed to be incredible. People are just raving about it. And then you've got the Santa Fe. You've got the Kona, the Tucson, and you've got the Kona. And the colors are just incredible uh, on some of these and so much fun. Great value for your dollar. If you're looking for a car right now, make sure you go look for the Tucson 0% APR for 60 months and $3,000 total savings or up to $3,000 total savings uh, required on $2,500 retail and 500 standard cash bonus on those as well. So go check it all out at Murdoch Hyundai at 4646 South State Street. And what did I miss in Japan? Cookies. I missed cookies. I need my mudslide cookie from the store. If you're looking for your 4th of July barbecue needs, go to the store at 6200 South and 20th East. And right next door to them is Cottonwood Ace as well. They've got a great Traeger lineup for you of grills and pellets and everything else you could imagine uh, taking place there. Uh, And then uh, continuing... uh, They have the great meat section in the back. Also, they've got marinated meats for you if you want to throw those on the grill. Everything you need for your 4th of July barbecue, plus the mudslide cookies and the locked-on mudslide ice cream. 6200 South, 20th East. It's the store. Stop by and visit. All right, so Rudy Gobert wins defense play of the year. It's just absolutely fabulous. Great honor for him. Great for him to be recognized. Um, Donovan's shoe debut. I mean, it shows you can play in Utah and still get the recognition. I think that is important for the Jazz in this free agency period. I don't know that they're going to be able to pull off some major free agent deal, but I think it's a good sign, even though Mike Conley, who's been in Memphis and probably gets it, but that you're not going to suburbia. You're not going to get lost um, along the way. Uh, The other one on draft, let's do draft, and I want to get to the questions here quickly. Uh, In regards to draft night, uh, I honestly did not, have not looked at the players. Um, I downloaded a game for each of them for the flight home today, and I slept most of the flight because that's what you got to do uh, with our NBA TV broadcast coming up and everything. I need to, I need to get that done. So um, I needed to get some sleep and try to get back on the time zone schedule. And so I have those games. I'll try to watch them between now and doing national TV, uh, but I did not get them watched. So I really know very little about those three players. I will say this. Um, 
getting a player at 50 and um, having them become, you know, um, players is pretty unlikely. Um, it's well below 33%, frankly. So, I, you know, you got three bites at the apple, which I think are really is really, really good. Um, and I kind of like the way, you know, the kid out of Yale's story is pretty amazing. He's a small kid, grows late, accepts a scholarship to Williams, uh, which is a great liberal arts college. And then uh, when he, he, I think, goes to a prep school, he gets discovered by Yale uh, on a kind of a trust me phone call from somebody and then starts getting offers and decides to still go to Yale because it's such a great school and now has a chance to be an NBA player. Like, I think that's a neat, you know, that's a neat model um, to get some of these guys who you might not get otherwise. And um, maybe that's how you find your diamond in the rough. And again, there's a philosophy here. You get three bites at the apple. They're clearly trying to find the guy who, who blossomed late and um, they don't care about age, which I completely agree with um, at that point in time. So I think that, you know, I, I, I think that there's a, um, there's a model to this. Do I think it's going to be particularly successful? Do I have high hopes that one of these guys is a rotation player? Quite honestly, no, but let's go watch them. And um, let's go watch them now and see, let's see what happens, um, you know, coming up here in this, in this, uh, draft and see whether or not one of these guys can can turn into something. But I, you know, let's just be honest that you know it's it's difficult. Uh, right, Foreman's biggest challenge is going to be learning how to play without the without shooting every single time. Uh, the kid out of Yale does kind of feel like Luke Bob Mute, like that. When I read about him, he feels like Luke Bob Mute. Uh, Jarrell Brantley, I haven't watched enough to know. All right, let's get to your questions. Oh, do I have to do this? It's almost that point where I have to start doing this. Uh, with tire, I might have to. I actually am going to. Uh, welcome back. Welcome back. Thank you. Um, David says, it seems like it's already started. All right, so the deals that are in uh, before I started this podcast were that the uh, Kemba Walker is going to go to Boston. That'll free up Terry Rozier. Um, it sure sounds as though Kyrie Irving is going to go to uh, Brooklyn. Uh, so that's going to uh, free up D'Angelo Russell, who's meeting with the Lakers, which gets to like the all-time hysterical thing that the Lakers traded for cap space that they're going to end up using on the player they traded to get the casters. I mean, it's like it's kind of great. Uh, Jimmy Butler is going to meet in Miami. All right, let's roll through a few of these. Uh, what is Bobby Portis's points gained? You know what? I have not done a deep dive on Bobby Portis. He tore us up last year. And so I probably should have. I mean, he really killed us last year. I have always thought of Bobby Portis as a five, not as a um, as a four. And but he's got stretchability. Um, you know, my concern, my quick, th- and he's got a little bit of a dribble drive game. So let's go see if we can find Bobby Portis. Where did he finish the year last year? Was he in Chicago at the end of last year? I don't even remember. Um, he was no. He's in Washington last year, part of the Otto Porter trade, right? Um, is that right? Uh, yeah. Bobby Portis was a negative point eight points gained player last year. The problem with him is that he shoots only five point seven percent of his 
shots at the free throw line or percentage of his possessions at the free throw line. He's a great three-point shooter last year at 39.3%, but that's only 25.6% of his shots. So if you're going to go to the line that little, you almost have to shoot about 50% of your shots as threes. Um, I don't know Bobby Portis well. I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to lie to you. He's been an Eastern Conference player for much of his career. Um, I mean, I know enough about him that he's a, he's a good shooter. Um, I would have to probably <clears throat> watch a good deal of his game and dig in. Um, uh, of what, um, of of what his game really consists of. Um, I think of him as a spot-up three-point shooter that plays the center more than the power forward who doesn't go to the line a lot, which was what my initial thought was. Um, the numbers back, you know, it's interesting. In Washington, he played the center 77% of the time, and in Chicago, they say he played the four seventy-five percent of the time. Um, percentage of shots at the rim. Um, last year, he shot... 24.6% of his shots at the rim in Washington and 31% of his shots in uh He's been about 31% of his shots at the rim. You know, what I've always liked about him is he shoots a three and then he has a little bit of a post-up game. Um, and so that if you someone switches on him, he's able to take advantage of that. Uh, but as I said, I'm, I'm being totally truthful here. It, he's not a guy that I expected to be on our list and I've, I've read the reports and I have not um, dug into him a great deal. When I've dug into someone, I'll let you know, but he is not one. Um, his spot up shooting last year in Washington was in the 28th, 29th percentile overall. So as much as he's shooting the three well, he's must be missing a lot of others. His pick and roll game is in the 43rd percentile in the 28 games with Washington last year. Um, post up was in the 21st percentile. So those numbers are not brilliant. Half court, he was uh, in the 39th percentile. Let's go look at the year before in Chicago. I believe he had a full year in Chicago. Yeah, he had a full year. The punch-out year was this year, right? Yeah, he had 73 games in the 17-18 season in Chicago. So let me take a look at... um, I mean, let's take a look at that 17-18 season. He played 73 games. Spot-ups were average, league average. His pick-and-roll as a man was average. His post-ups were 67th percentile. Um, Good in transition again, so he gets out. Um, And uh, half-court, he was a little better. So he had a better year when he didn't have to switch teams midway through. Um, I'd have to really dig in, figure out who his pick-and-roll game has been with, Um, you know, Thinking about the point guards he's played with just off the top of my head in Chicago, it's kind of an ugly, um, right? Like, who's he playing pick and roll with in Washington in the second half of last year or Chicago that is any type of a point guard? Um, so that, you know, you now you're kind of trying, if you're the Jazz, you're trying to figure that out a little bit. Um, so Bobby Portis with Bradley Beal was, and Sadoransky, um Let me see if I can change something here and see if I can figure it out. Uh, this is not the greatest radio in the world or podcast in the world. Let's see what happens here. So Bobby Portis, uh, decent .98 pick and roll. He was good with Beal, not very good with Sadoransky. Um, didn't learn a lot there. If we go to the Bulls the year prior, 
Um, he had 381 pick and rolls. He was bad with Chris Dunn. He wasn't very good with Zach Lafine. He was good with Ryan Archie, uh, Archie Dianacano, who actually I think is really good. Somebody should sign him and give him an offer sheet, by the way, just to um, give you a thought there on a player who I think is unsung in this league and someone should give him an offer sheet. Um over the last two years, his pick-and-roll numbers are pretty good. He was good with Jerry and Grant. There's another one I like, actually. He's in Orlando. Um, Chris Dunn, I mean, he's really just not played with any point guards at all over the last two years. So that, I mean, that makes it a little interesting on what Bobby Portis might be able to do because he has not played with any style of point guard at all. Um, all right, let's get to some more questions. Glasses back on. It's just because of the glare. Uh, what's the impact of the Miritich move? I think it's big. I mean, Miritich going to Europe is a surprise. All reports had him that he was on the Jazz list um, and someone that the Jazz were interested in going to get. Um, and I think, you know, someone who, if the Jazz could have gotten Miritich and a uh, backup center, which is not hard to get, uh, I think you can re- you could replace Favors. You, you just have to make it as, you know, Portis, Miritich, what you're deciding is we're spreading the floor. You're deciding that you're you're going to be a team that spreads the floor and do and that to have so much money invested in favors as great as he is for really his minutes as a backup center and his minutes when he and he doesn't start against a um in the playoffs against teams because the matchup's too bad is probably something you have to move away from. It's just a bigger picture decision. On the other end, we're so great with him defensively. Um, that keeping him is a completely viable option. Uh, I think we should keep favors if we don't get Tobias. I think that's a legitimate possibility. Um, you know, you got to make sure Derek hasn't checked out, right? I mean, he's out searching for various things right now, and you got to make sure that he's not somehow um, kind of already removed himself from uh, being here or feeling as though it's, it's time for him to move on and, and that he's still ready to go. Uh, thanks for the nice shirt, Rob Long. Gets credit for this one. Buddy of mine got it back for me from New Orleans. Uh, welcome back. Thank you for the picks of your trip. Regarding Jazz, if Durant and Kawhi go to the Clippers, Jazz, Gallinari is a possibility. Injuries are really a concern with Gallinari. Um, what do you see us getting to replace Jay? How big a loss is that? Jay's a really interesting one. Because I can give you a bunch of statistical things where I can tell you that Jay, losing Jay is a non-factor. And then we can know that... Um, then we also kind of know that what Jay's value to his team was, and his teammates loved him and loved playing with him. Um, you know, if I go power forward, real plus minus, which is always kind of one of the better judges, and I run the defensive numbers on real plus minus last year, and this could be a little misleading because of no favors. Jay Crowder comes out as the eighth worst defensive defensive four in the NBA. Bobby Portis comes out worse, by the way, just if you're wondering. Um, so, you know, and we survive. And maybe that's the ultimate sign that we can just put somebody at the four. And Rudy's so great offensively, it doesn't matter. Now, Jake Crowder comes out as the eighth best offensive real plus minus power forward. And yet we also know that Jay missed a tremendous amount of shots and got great looks. So, like, from an analytic standpoint, you're telling me you got the guy with probably the second least good shooter at his position and not very good in the defensive plus minus, and I would do, you got to be able to replace that. But I think we all know the value he brought with his gumption and his fight and his togetherness and his bonding and all those kind of things um, that are so 
so much the essence of who he is. And, and so I really, I don't know the answer on how much you miss him, but I think there was also him being a free agent and you had, you know, you've got to give stuff up to get deals done. Um, And I think Jade's going to end up in a good place. Um, Couldn't the Jazz add Exum to the Conley deal to a third team so they can act as undercap team before signing Tobias? They might be able to. I mean, there's a lot of various things. Uh, Tobias Harris versus Bobby Portis. I mean, I love Tobias, so it's ridiculous. I mean, I think Tobias is the most untapped offensive player in the league. But you also have to understand, I absolutely love players who are pick-and-roll ball handlers, non-guards. I'm a huge believer in that. So if you can put a pick-and-roll in Joe Ingles' hand or a power forward's hand, the guy guarding him doesn't guard those pick-and-rolls very often. And so I think that those players are able to really prosper out of that. All right, final set of questions coming up. Remember to follow Locked on NBA Net on your Twitter and Instagram for all the latest news during this finals. Locked on NBA Net on Twitter is a collection of all of the hosts on one feed. Great time to follow on the NBA feed. Is today's show is brought to you in part by Intercap Lending. Steve Carter and the crew over at Intercap Lending doing great stuff, exciting um, work on their part as they have grown fabulously since they first joined us over about 16, 18 months ago. And now for you, you get the corporate discount at Intercap Lending. Uh, Their lending company has been amazing. They did our mortgage, uh, saved us a ton of money. They've grown from 2 to 11 branches. Why? Because they're guys that get deals done. Steve Carter is there for you. 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Low credit, self-employed, business assets, multiple properties, Whatever it might self-employed, whatever it might be that makes your loan difficult, they're a direct lender with no overlays so they can get things done and they give you great service. It's why real estate agents use Intercap because they get deals done. So call Steve Carter, he'll help you out. 385-885-28. That's 385-885-28. Intercap Lending, NMLS number 190465. For more information, visit intercaplending.com. All right, we've done about 34 minutes, so let's let's proceed for about another four or five. Um is the sign-in deal for Tobias Harris possibility? I don't think so. It's my dream. Keep my dream alive. I'm sure the Jazz are investigating it. But if Jimmy Butler's going to go somewhere else, Philadelphia's going to max him out. They can't afford to lose both of them. Um, unless Tobias simply tells him he doesn't want to play in Philadelphia for way more money. I don't want to play in Philadelphia with two of the best young players in a great city for way more money. Seems unlikely. Um, now, if Jimmy Butler comes back and they decide they don't want to pay him... Uh, Maybe, but it also depends. Does Durant and Kawhi combine in L.A.? Does Durant stay in Golden State? Does Kawhi stay in Toronto? Does Where does Tobias go then? So there's all sorts of various things that could play out here, none of which that are particularly um, clear. And so this is my whole point of why you had to get the Conley deal done is if you're sitting here as the second choice of a bunch of players right now who tell you they're interested but might be using you as leverage, you could have ended up holding the bag. If we go to the season with Derek Favors as our power forward and Mike Conley as our point guard, we're fine. We're really, really good. And then frankly, we still are talking to Cleveland throughout the year and deciding whether Kevin loves a possibility or whether somebody else is and can make moves as the year goes on. Uh, if we need to adjust, but you couldn't have gone, you couldn't afford to go to free agency without something wrapped up because of exactly what we're talking about here. Um, 
I mean, I think the Jazz are leaning toward trying to at least investigate the market for a stretch four. Everyone's asking favors or stretch four. Like, the league is stretched out. There just aren't any other teams in the league that are playing two bigs that are not skilled, right? So neither of our bigs can dribble, pass, or shoot. Nobody else is playing two of those. Does Mike Conley fix the Jazz basketball universe? Yes, a lot. Uh, it relieves a great deal of burden on Joe Ingles. It gives some help to um, uh, Donovan Mitchell, and it would be nice to get another scorer somewhere along the way. Uh, can we sign and trade Rubio to create more cap space? Would Rubio do that, and does that help? Um, we might have to rescind the rights to Rubio to do the Conley deal. I'm not entirely sure how the numbers work on that. I'd have to look at that. I can't see us losing favors. He's too valuable backing up Rudy. I just, Lori, I, I 100% agree with you, but like backup centers are million-dollar players in this league, and if your primary reason for keeping Derek is because of the 14 minutes a night or 16 minutes a night backing up Rudy when everyone else is paying a million dollars for that and you are paying $18 million, I think that's very difficult um, just from a cap standpoint. The numbers on this show are incredible. Thanks very much for tuning in. That's why we're going long. I'm nervous about the number of open roster spots we have. It's what happens when you got $30 million players. You start to have empty roster spots. You're going to have to find them. You're gonna... But there's a, you know, like backup point guard, there's a ton of backup point guards out there. Like, I mean, I don't know if they're all available, but like, let me look at a list. I have a list of backup point guards that I like. So, like, Shabazz Napier is going to be available here. He, he's fine. Like, I, I, like he's not going to. Like, he's fine. Shabazz Napier's a 40% catch-and-shoot guy. He's fine. Like, he could come in. He, he, he's a av- above-average pick-and-roll guy. Give me Shabazz Napier as our backup point guard. I'm totally fine with that. We're paying $30 million for our point guard, and we should be paying a million dollars for our backup point guard. And we're paying $30 million for our center, and we should pay a million dollars for our backup center. You've got to have some sort of balance in your lineup. Now, finding a... a uh, wing depth is going to be really, really difficult. Really, really difficult. You know, give me Noah Vonley. I like him as a backup center. He'd be great. I'll take Noah Vonley. If I was good this year for the Knicks. Um, now, I need a starting four if I'm not bringing back Derek. Right? So that's that's the first problem. We need to start. Like, Marcus Morris is a little interesting. Marcus Morris is one of the few fours in the league. He shot 37% on catch and shoot. He's not good off the bounce. Um, and he was really good as a role man this year with Kyrie <clears throat> and he can both play with the pick and roll and off and he's a decent defensive rebounder and an adequate offensive rebounder his re- his defensive plus minus has been bad both the last two years but I think Marcus Morris is interesting I mean some of his off the court stuff isn't great uh, but he's a 37.7 0.4% three-point shooter. I, I would bark up the tree on Boyan Banyanovic, who's much more of a three than a four, but let's find out what Indiana wants to do with him because he's not a pick-and-roll guy except for he is a pick-and-roll guy with the ball in his hands. Um, but if you don't, with Miritich off the market, if you're not getting Marcus Morris or Boyan Banyanovic, you're probably bringing favors back. It would seem. That would, that, you know, Otherwise, that's a pretty big, you know, and then you got to figure out how you're going to play with two unskilled bigs. If you pulled the trigger on a trade last year, would it have benefited us more? 
was the missing piece really giving up eczema? I don't think the missing piece was giving up eczema. I think, I don't know what happened. I'm not entirely convinced that Memphis wanted to trade Conley last year. I'm not convinced that Memphis wasn't still a little bit in the mix of trying to maybe get rid of their draft pick and finish in the top nine, and, and that in turn caused them to not want to give away both Gasol and Conley, and they had to give away Gasol because he's being a pain. Guarantees risk aside, would we rather be better with Conley and Favors or Rubio and Harris? I think Conley and Favors is better than Rubio and Harris. And I don't think you were, and you weren't Rubio and Harris. You were Mitchell as your point guard and Harris. And I, I think we all love Donovan and should love Donovan, but I'm not sure that people, that Donovan's totally ready to be your point guard yet. I'm not sure the level that people want to win around here Um is with makes sense with Donovan as the point guard. I'm not I'm not sure we could have done that. Um Miritich, we touched on it. Um Tony Jones reporting a plan meeting with Bobby Portis, we touched on that. Do you think Frank Kaminsky would it be a good fit at the MLE? Well, he's an unrestricted free agent and I don't think you have to pay him the MLE. Um but I would, you know, this is a good example. Like backup fives. I'll take Ed Davis, I'll take Robin Lopez, I'll take Mike Muscala, I'll take Dwayne Deadman, I'll take Kyle O'Quinn, I'll take Noah Vonley, I'd take Kem Birch, I'd take Rashawn Holmes. Like, backup fives. Backup point guards. I like Jerry and Grant, he's not really a point guard, but I think he's got a little something to him. I like Yogi Ferrell, he's a great shooter, 38% catch and shoot. Ryan Archie D. Anakano, other than I'd have to learn how to pronounce his name, is a 42% catch and shoot guy last year. Quinn Cook, I don't know if he can run an offense, but he's 47%. Seth Curry, he's probably too expensive, but he can play three different positions. Two different positions. Tyus Jones was a 39% catch-and-shoot guy, can't shoot off the bounce at all. I'd, I personally would go there instead of paying for a Corey Joseph or an Ish Smith. And I think the Ish Smith and Corey Joseph are nice. I mean, you've got to understand that whoever this you're going to have to manage Conley a little bit. He's 32 years old. But I think you're managing Conley... Um, possibly with Donovan playing those days as point guard. Uh, best meal you had in Japan? We, uh, my wife's father got honored for his work in Japan. Uh, this incredible honor, and we had a meal below the Tokyo Tower in this unbelievable. Uh, traditional Japanese restaurant with the most beautiful gardens I've ever seen that was a world-class meal that, you know, one of those meals you never think you'll ever have in your life. So that was by far the best meal. Uh, how many possessions per game did we trade out versus bring in? Do we need another medium-volume shooter to keep balance on the offense or rightful? I think we're close. Um, I'd have to look. Uh, let me look. Rubio... I think we're probably short some possessions right now because of how often Crowder shot. Um, but let's look. Uh, scoring opportunities per night. Kyle Korver was using seven. Jay Crowder was using 11. That's 18. Ricky Rubio is losing 12, so we're short 30. And... Mike Conley was using 19, so we're short about 11. Um, so I think, you know, we're short about 11 um, there. 
Can I introduce you to Joe Ingles? Maybe. Trade Joe, Dante, Derek for Tobias. That's a lot. We'd have no roster. Um, any chance on Jermichael Green? You know, I've, here's what i got to figure out is where we are. I, Jermichael Green is probably going to make 7 to $9 million, and I'm going to have to take a deep dive and figure out where we are. I think we're acting as an under-the-cap team so that we don't have the middle-level exception, but I'm going to have to make sure I understand that. That's one where I've not had enough time. All right, you guys are getting into stuff that I don't know, which makes me uncomfortable. Let's do about another two, three minutes. Um, uh, I like our starting lineup keeping favors. Okay. I mean, this is just, it's a great debate. The comfort of what you know versus the comfort of, you know, what what we had before. I, I, uh, is Marcus Morris the answer to add to our stretch foreign depth? Marcus Morris is interesting. He had a great year last year. Um, I, I like to look at guys in three-year sequences. And so when I talked about those catch-and-shoot numbers, right, those, those were all three-year numbers. So over the last three years, Marcus Morris is a 37% catch-and-shoot guy. If the bounce, he's 28%. Um, to me, that's interesting. His, he was a positive um, pack player last year. He was negative the year before. Boyan Bajanovic has been an incredibly good pack player and is a 41% catch-and-shoot three-point shooter. I bark up that tree. Um, uh, I bark up that tree a little bit to see what's going on. Um, and here says, can't let favors go. Favors has to go. These are the two different points of view. Um, Daniel Olson just had a baby girl. Congratulations. I don't think Isaiah Isaiah Thomas would have to prove to me he's ready to play. Um, all right, I think we've gone everywhere. I've got Courtney watching, which makes me nervous because she's one of my best friends for a long time. Um, and I think that wraps us up. All right, we may come back. Keep an eye out. I'm not sure what we're going to do tomorrow when free agency starts. Probably just come back to you Monday with a regular show. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for being a part of it. Glad to be back home. Talk to you soon.